Display from Americans for Prosperity. We'll be talking to him today. Uh, a lot of things to uh, discuss today in the world of politics. Let me uh, go over a few things with you uh, right off the bat. Let's uh, start off with former Hunter Biden's business partner testified about things that were uh, going on. You got something on that for me? So would you tell me, Aaron? Hey, you sent me a video last night of, I believe it's uh, Devin Vaughn. Is his Not, name? Right. Archer, I'm sorry. De- yeah, um, De- Archer. It looks like uh, Jonathan Turley was on Fox to talk about it. Yeah, he kind Jonathan on a lot. Yeah, he kind of uh, been tearing it up on, uh, on Biden. Let's hear what uh, Turley had to say. Here you go. Right. You, you see a timeline where Devin Archer, if true, as Chad's reporting there, uh, the then vice president was put on the phone more than 20 times at various locations, perhaps throughout the entire world. Uh, then you've got the uh, Democratic Congressman Dan Goldman saying there were conversations. Then you go back about 10 days ago when Corrine Jean-Pierre at the White House said they were never in business. Uh, the question <laughs> went to Chad about whether or not this story is slipping. Do you see it that way as a story that's slipping? Well, it's breathtaking that Representative Goldman would come out of this meeting from what we've learned from Chad and say that it was just a dad being a dad. Uh, it's, it's really unbelievable. Uh, you know, you have now an account uh, of these meetings talking about getting rid of Victor Shokin, the prosecutor, and calls being made to the vice president uh, at that time, Joe Biden. Uh, you have an account of over 20 such calls. And you have someone who says, yes, the president was part of moving the brand. Well, what was the brand? I mean, this was an influence peddling brand. And the object of that influence peddling was Joe Biden. He was an essential part of that. And he played that role. So if this is true, and I have no doubt uh, with the reporting of Chad, uh, then the president has lied. Uh, He lied during the presidential debate. He's lied for years. And he's had staff at the White House lie. That's always a serious matter. And the next question is, why did he lie? Um, the White House, as you well know, Jonathan, because we've talked about it ten times by now, has insisted all along uh, that this is a personal matter, the, the Hunter Biden uh, criminal prosecution and the ongoing investigation and the House's investigation. Um, they have said this is a personal matter. It is a family matter. Does the fact that we now have a business partner of Hunter Biden saying on the record, not under oath, but on the record, uh, that his father spoke directly to his business associates undercut that sort of once and for all. Can they make that case later today or tomorrow? No, this was a family business, not a family matter. The Bidens have always been in the business of influence peddling. They have for years. Uh, and e- even some of the media that protects him has admitted that, that uh, Joe Biden's brother and Hunter actively uh, sought to engage in influence peddling in the view of most of us. I mean, this was a classic operation. But what's different is the level of involvement of then Vice President Joe Biden, direct involvement. And it's insulting to tell the American people uh, that this is just a private family member uh, matter. What do you think influence peddling is? I mean, this is not, you know, can we get an invitation to the Biden-Delaware Beach House? This was, can't get influence in the administration? Can we count Joe Biden as part of this brand and this team? 
Uh, Professor, at first look here, it appears that all the stories Republicans have been talking about for some time now, uh, if you're to believe Devin Archer, were true. Uh, with regard to Burisma in Ukraine, with regard to these Chinese energy companies, and perhaps is what Chad Pergram was referring to, maybe even a story that's yet to be uncovered in Kazakhstan or two. Right. I mean, the thing is, look, we have to put aside the democratic denials. We're not going to get people like Goldman or others to admit what is clear evidence now of influence peddling, false statements, special dealings, all of that is well established. And the American people aren't buying it, you know, for all these denials. The polls show that they see this for what it is. So we're back to the question of Speaker McCarthy. When he he said a few days ago, what do you want me to do about this? I mean, do you want me just to walk away? We now have one of the closest friends of Hunter Biden saying, yeah, we sold access, essentially. This was our brand. Uh, The vice president, Joe Biden, was directly involved. Do we walk away from that or do you get answers for that? Because nobody outside of Washington is going to view this as a family matter. Professor, thanks for being on the phone. All right. So uh, not looking good for Joe Biden, is it? It's getting, uh, we're starting to find out that, uh, you know, liar, liar, pants on fire. Big time. Big time. So uh, we're getting to that point that we got in Watergate. Tell me what you knew and when you started forgetting that you knew it. Uh, that's where we're at now uh, in this. And, and look, the White House is con- going to continue, is going to continue to deny, deny, deny. I mean, look, Clinton started that. It's been going on for a long time. It's been going on since the 90s. Deny Deny, deny. And the Democrats, as you heard them say, they're not going to jump out now and say, well, yeah, they lied about it. They're not going to say that. They won't even say they were disingenuous about it. You know, what was it the other day that uh, Kamala Harris said that they were gaslighting you about what was being taught uh, in uh, the curriculum in Florida about slavery and that they were gaslighting you. Well, dude, come on, come on, Kamala. You've been gaslighting the American people with, with running for vice president with a lying president now before he even ran for president. He's been lying about this. So how long will it take now for this to really resonate to get it really into uh, the body politic of America, that you got a president that just lies his butt off, big time, big time. You know, they always want to talk about, well, Trump lied about this, Trump lied about that. Not going to hear, I'm telling you, don't expect to hear him. Well, Biden lied about this and Biden lied about that. You're not going to hear about that either. Okay, I'm just telling you, you're not going to hear about that either. That's just the way that uh, that's going to be. So keep that in keep that in mind. Other big story today, it's on the front page of the paper. If you haven't seen it, is that the group behind the effort to put Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders' education overhaul to a referendum 
came up, they say, 747 signatures short Monday, according to the group's own estimate. Now, the Secretary of State's office will count the signatures to determine the official number of signatures turned in by CAPES. They missed this by a long shot. They're saying, well, we missed it by just under 1,000. It's more than that. Okay, just let you know, it is more than that. The uh, 56-day push to put the LEARNS Act, a 145-page education law, to a vote in November 2024 ended minutes before the deadline Monday at the Secretary of State's office in the Riverdale neighborhood of Little Rock. Officials with Citizens for Arkansas's Public Education and Students, also known as CAPES, said the group had collected 53,675 signatures, which was shy of the 54,422 signatures that it needed to turn it to the, turn it into the Secretary of State's office by the close of business Monday. Now, are they going to turn them in? That's a question. We may never know. I mean, they don't have to turn them in now. They can just be done with it. Just said we didn't make it, not turn them in. I wish they would. I'd like to know really how far off they were when, uh, you know, you go how many different areas in the state they got their signatures from and and things of that nature, how many doubles and, and all of that that you have to count into it. The Secretary of State's office uh, saying here will count the signatures to determine the official number of signatures. They don't have to. If this other group says we didn't make it, they didn't make it. They don't have to turn in the signatures. Uh, the executive director uh, tried to console the dozens of volunteers who rushed signatures to the Secretary of State's office just 30 minutes before the deadline, uh, telling them their likely failure was not in vain. Quote, this is just the beginning, y'all. I think we have 53,675 people that agree with us in the state of Arkansas. Please. Please. That, you know, please. Isn't that the usual BS? Yeah, I mean, just please. A lot of people signed that not even knowing what they were signing about. And I, I just told you don't sign it. Because, look, let's, let's figure out a couple of things here. One, the governor ran on this for two years. You guys elected her by an overwhelming majority. After she gets elected, she goes to the legislature and says, let's get this done. They get it done. And every one of those legislators that were in the legislature back earlier this year that voted for this, overwhelmingly voted for this piece of uh, legislation, was, were elected by you. They all won a, uh, a race and uh, are, uh, you know, standing up for you. And so they voted for this piece of legislation because you told them that you want the Learns Act. And so they passed it. And then they went out and tried to get all of these signatures 
to put it on the ballot and let's vote for it. And it would it would law I believe it would have lost even if it was on the ballot if we could keep them from lying. I mean, there is they're they're like a rug. They lie all the time about uh what's going on with this piece of uh legislation. The governor and uh Secretary of Education Leva and others have been out doing uh, town halls and answering your questions about this and you know what their biggest the biggest problem is the lies being told by these by these people they lie and lie and lie. maybe I should do you think I should just do a show on that the lies of capes maybe I should do that you know yeah they're cape they throw it over your head so you can't see the truth I mean, that's, uh, that's what they do, definitely what they do. But anyway, he said, this is just the beginning, y'all. I think we have 53,675 people that agree with us in the state of Arkansas. This is a message to our governor and to the legislature that passed this piece of trash. We are coming for them, and we are not going to stop until we fix our education system. Well, let, let Le- the LEARNS Act get in you know, be instituted. Let it, uh, let it be put into play. Starts today. It's law today. And let's, let's get it going. And not have to worry about you all, you know, you're like little saboteurs out there blowing up bridges and stuff uh, as you go along. The LEARNS Act, which stands for Literacy, Empowerment, Accountability, Readiness, Networking, and Safety, will go into effect today, covers a wide range of issues from increasing starting pay for teachers to higher literacy standards for third-grade students and a new diploma for students in career technical education programs. The uh, most controversial part of the law, however, what do you think it is? Did you say vouchers? <gasps> God, unbelievable that you, that you would mention that. As the, because it's the Educational Freedom Accounts, the vouchers program that will allow students to use state funds to attend a private or home school, which is where CAPES put most of its focus. Under the program, which will be phased in over three years, private schools and home schools will be given 90% of what public schools receive from the state in per-pupil funding to cover the cost of students attending a private or homeschool. You know what they're really what they're really worried about, and I gotta take a break here. That their public schools, their edifices that they have built to liberalism here in America are going to suddenly go away. They're not. They're gonna be around. They're gonna lose about three or four percent of the people that are there right now. But most are gonna stay there because a lot of people just don't care. And we're not happy to let the government tell their kids what to think. We'll get, uh, we'll get more about this as we go along. Let's talk about East End Towing real quickly. Tell you that no matter what kind of car you're driving, whether it's one of those little tiny, uh, you know, climate change mobiles that you'd like to drive around, or maybe you drive an 18-wheeler, you live in it as well because that's your business. Uh, you, you, you know, you got the back of your truck is where you sleep and everything, uh, they can get you moved off the side of the road if you happen to break down. If you need a wheel change, they can do that. If you 
battery went bad, they can do that. Whatever it is that has you stuck on the side of the road, East End Towing can handle it. All you have to do is give them a call. No matter the situation, you can you remember this, no matter the situation, East End Towing will take care of it. And they've got all the answers for you. I've told you, they're part of the Arkansas Towing Recovery Board. They're licensed, they're insured, and each truck is permitted. And they're ready any any time to take care of anything, anywhere. All you got to do is call 501-888-8849, 501-888-8849. That's East End Towing. Yes, and it's a good article. They finally get into some other things that you need to know. Uh, it says you know, they also missed, that's CAPES, missed the estate's county minimum, which requires signatures by 3% of the people who voted in the last gubernatorial election. And they missed that by two counties, they say. They say, all right, just so you'll know. They haven't counted the, the, the signatures yet. That's according to the group's own estimation. The previous minimum was 15 counties, but was changed to 50 under Act 236, which the legislature passed in the last session. Uh, CAPES was formed in April, given the go-ahead to start collecting signatures by the Arkansas Attorney General's Office. The head of CAPES complained that the Attorney General's Office purposely, of course, purposely, uh, delayed approving the group's ballot title, a required step before the group could begin collecting signatures. Let me tell you what. You go back and, and look at how well that's been done over the years. Both sides, if this is true, both sides have done this. They did this back in the uh, early 2000s to the group that I was involved with, which was Axe the Food Tax. And Carl Kimball and, and, and a lot of uh, other people who worked on that. And we uh, were able to get, and we got the signatures to get on there. And let me tell you, it was tough. But to get the title, which was done uh, by the uh, AG, uh, and uh, turned down, I think, three times. And then finally said, yeah. And after you looked at the title that he came up with, you couldn't tell whether you were voting for getting rid of the tax or against getting rid of the tax when you looked at it. Uh, the ballot title is meant to provide an explanation of the law to be put to a referendum, which that turns out to be a tricky task for a 145-page Learns Act, which uh, Capes found, found uh, hard to describe in detail. The Attorney General's Office twice rejected proposed ballot titles for the referendum, but on June 5th, uh, the Attorney General signed off on the ballot language for the referendum, kicking off the signature collection campaign the group had until 5 p.m. yesterday uh, to turn in their sig signatures. Now, the head of CAPES admits that he was convinced early Monday morning the group would not meet the goal, saying it was at least 4,200 signatures short All right, of all of this. In other words, it's a mess out there. All right. If you go 440, you'll be able to swing around and miss the accident and then get on 630 and come on in. Yeah, I don't know. That nature. I'm sorry. I don't know why I said Highway 70. I completely forgot That's that okay. 40. Don't worry about it. You know, 440, do your thing, do that. It's going to take you out of your way a little bit, but that's okay. That's no big deal. 
you can get around that way, but it looks like coming out of uh, Bryant and uh, Benton, that area down there, as usual, that's all backed up as well. It's a real hassle. Let me go back and finish up this story about the whole, uh, you know, trying to get all the, the signatures that CAPES needed to be able to, uh, you know, give some hassle to uh, the uh, LEARNS Act. And uh, we're talking about uh, they thought there was this last gasp effort. They only needed 4,200 more signatures. And they tried and they tried and people were coming in and driving over the speed limit and trying to get to get to the, uh, you know, get to where they were counting up all of the signatures. And he said that they said when we started this morning, it was over. It was like we didn't have any chance whatsoever. And after a late push to collect signatures Monday around Little Rock, see, Again, I go back to earlier in this article. It mentions they they didn't even get all the necessary signatures in all the necessary counties that they had to get to be able to make this work. Well, where did they go? Well, they went to the most liberal place that they could closest to them, and that was in Little Rock. So they sat up and, uh, you know, they, here, sign this, sign this. I can hear it all. I can hear it right now. I can hear it happening. And uh, they don't know how many of those signatures were good. They don't have a clue. None. They don't have a clue how many of those signatures were good. He said, if, if we could have gone for just two more hours, just just two more hours, two, two, two more hours, just two more hours, we could have made it. It would have happened for us. Yeah, sure. Anyway, I, I, I just have to laugh at it. After a slow start, Capes had begun to wrap up its effort in the past weeks. Three weeks ago, the group had only 5,000 signatures, but thanks to a surge of volunteers, it was able to collect tens of thousands of signatures in a short period of time. I'm telling you, if they honestly, if the Secretary of State's office do count these, if they do, they don't have to now because the group is saying we didn't make it. OK, so we didn't make it. So, you know, they don't they don't have to do this if they don't want to and waste the time uh, to do it. And and the bottom line is that, uh, you know, it's B.S. it will be a wasted effort. You know, they want you to think. Oh, the people of Arkansas, they don't want acts. They don't want this. They don't want the LEARN Act to be to, to happen. I love what the governor did yesterday. She sat down, had a little press conference, made the statement that, uh, hey, check it out. This is what we wanted to do. We didn't want to stay with the status quo. Now we're going to make foundational changes mm-hmm. to education in Arkansas. And uh, to the uh, the governor, we say, Thank you. Yes, very much so. I mean, I read the story. Ha- and Happy it's Learns a, Day, Dave. Yeah, it is Learns Day. And it's just crazy, these people. And, uh, you know, we only had 5,000 signatures three weeks ago. But think, I want you to think about this for a second. Mm-hmm. Now they have almost the 54,000 signatures they need. Yeah. That means that they pulled in, what was it, 
49,000 signatures yeah. in three weeks, 21 days. Do the math. How many signatures is that a day? That's a lot. Yes, it is. A lot. When they counted those, they would not have re- reached the 75% threshold. That's what they wanted. They wanted to get to the 75% threshold because if they got that, they got another 30 days. Right. Well, you know, I worked under Secretary Mark Martin, uh, and we did count these these signatures on ballot initiatives before. And there's always a loss of, you know, 5 to 10% at minimum, even more at times. And so I light- would say there's been a, lo- a bigger loss here just because when you look at those numbers, 5,000 three weeks ago and now 54,000, there's right. going to be a lot of doubles and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, all kinds of things. But as you noticed in the article, didn't make the number. Nope. Didn't make the county count. Nope. Um, so, you know, and there's there's wailing and gnashing of teeth about moving from 15 to... Want to hear him cry some more? Yeah, let him. Okay, let's, well, one more time. Well, you, you want to hear it? Okay, okay. There you go. They're crying. They're crying today. They didn't make it. They, oh, it was, and it was because the mean old Attorney General Tim <laughs> Griffin. Tim Griffin, you're a mean old man. Doing his due diligence, yeah. making sure that that it met the the specifications. And he even said he's like, it's, you know, I can't block this, but this is, you know, I'm going to release it to to la- allow the signatures to yeah, get started. Yeah, but when people went to the polls, they had to know what they were voting on. Exactly, in a 145 page bill. That's a lot to try to condense down. So, you know, he he did the right thing. Um, I think that, you know, if you're saying that you've got 50-some thousand people, you know, allegedly with you, then obviously the majority aren't because they didn't sign. And there was no. a robust push. I mean, they did a robust push. Of course, when you look into who who was putting together this initiative and everything, they're using um, the, the teacher's union groups they're using uh the teachers network state teachers networks um to help the get unions. these things yeah and 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 then also you know the democratic party apparatus and the gentleman that's over this is on the democrat executive board yeah and so they're using that because really here's the here's what i see that they're willing because of the ideology they have that no child should be in any other system other than a public school system operated by by whoever they deem to be the person by the government it, yeah then then they're willing to sacrifice families ability to choose education models for their kid for the sake of setting up and creating a political apparatus because really you know the 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 hidden agenda is in the remainder of the article where it says well now we're going to primary these in, or you know we're going to come after these individuals most of these individuals they're talking about are in very, very safe districts. Yes, they that, are. That, you know, no matter how you feel about learns, uh, you're probably going to have a hard time pulling the lever. Think for, about how – I just want you to think for a moment. How many – what is it, 82 Republicans in the House right now out of 100? Yep. Out of 100. So they've, the other side has a total of 18? 18. Okay, so they got 18. Let's say they get 20 more. Yeah. They still only have 38. They, they yeah. can't pass any legislation. Yeah. So, so it's really about trying to create an infrastructure to a degree of disaffected people that just don't like Governor Sanders that are using the Learns Bill in misconceptions and outright, you know. Lies. Yes. They lied. 
on yeah. on this because I even had individuals come to me and say, well, they're saying that the, the, the teacher salary thing isn't being paid for by the governor. I'm like, well, here it is in the law where it states, there, here's the funds, here's the way you go through the contract renegotiations to get the funds. And guess to pay what? For that. You're going to actually, the superintendent will have no say over this. That money has to go has, to the teachers. Has to go. Thank God for that because they've been getting money for those teachers for years. I mean, I talked to Mary Bentley about this. She says, I have never voted against a teacher's raise, but the superintendents have kept the money from the teachers. Right. right. Well, you know, something that makes me actually a, a very proud proud brother is that this coming school year two of my sisters are now teachers in the state of arkansas for the first time one in public school and one in private school and and the learns bill do they fight at thanksgiving no they don't not at all (laughs) they're they're actually really really tight (laughs) they're a unit i'm just saying they're they're a unit that ganging up against their big brother that's what happens uh but yeah both of them you know we had conversations last night and and um about how the teacher salaries is totally af- affecting them in very positive ways in that they're seeing the literacy component being very useful because there's kids in their districts that are falling behind need that extra help. So th- really on the opposition side, there is mostly a Democrat and Democrat sympathetic apparatus or those that are scared. They may be scared about their rural school districts, but even in learns is provisions to protect rural school districts where now the threshold or the 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 floor of uh or the seat yeah i guess floor the minimum minimum enrollments you can drop below the 350 now and still maintain your school district and there's even in case there's extreme situations you can even pivot into partnering with a charter so that you can still because charters don't have an enrollment uh minimum you know so it's um this bill does so much good that if you sit down with somebody and go through what's all of your fears and they're being authentic and honest with you, Learns addresses each and every one of those fears. I'll give you, I'll tell you right now, the number one thing that the teachers that are with the union don't like at all and are really fighting against it is the most controversial part of the law. And this is right in the story. Mm-hmm. you got to get halfway through it, but it's there. The most controversial part of the law is the educational freedom accounts. Now, we named them that and came up with a different name. I didn't come up with the name, but came up with a different name because you don't dare put the term vouchers out right. because it's got such a bad connotation <laughs> Uh, amongst uh, some people. So you you rename them. I like the new name they got for them. That that's going to allow students to use state funds to attend a private or home school, which is where CAPES put most of their focus because they hate it. They hate it because you know what? It takes money away from the uh, the government. That's why. Well, you know, they don't have that problem when they're taking the money and giving it to private liberal arts schools well, through scholarships or duh, when SNAP, SNAP funds are used to spend in in non-government-owned grocery stores or dollars from the government for housing are spent on private. So here's the here's what's just, of course, frustrating is the lack of – of, of in, uh, 
intellectual honesty or integrity in saying, here's oh, no, my wait. principles. Now, this is what <laughs> we got to stop right there because we got to take a break. I got to try to wrap my mind around that you're actually saying Democrats I'm, and principles. I'm putting things in stark relief. <laughs> principles versus, <laughs> versus this chaos. Yeah, yeah, that's and that, that's right because, you know, what I think about the unions. You suck. Yeah, that's exactly what I think about the, the unions. So what is ERC? I've been talking about this now for months. If you're a small business person, you're not taking advantage of this. I got to say to you why. If you've got five employees up to 500 employees, you can get up to $26,000 per W-2 employee. That's a refundable tax credit. It's not a loan. You're not borrowing the money from anyway, any place. You've paid a lot of this money in the taxes already. So you're just going to get the money back. It's your money that they took out of your back pocket. That's what they did. And you get it, no strings attached on the funds. Uh, your qualifications have changed for this program. You need to call your CPA if you have one. Talk to them and uh, say, look, I know you said that this I couldn't get in this program maybe uh, – Six months ago, now you can. Have them recheck for you. All they have to do is go to the website, and that is ERCEasy, ERCEasy123.com. Let me give it to you one more time, ERCEasy123.com. And uh, you may find in a few months you're getting a really nice paycheck to help your business stay in business and maybe even to expand your business. That is for the employee retention credit. Gotcha. All right, back with you. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. we got about seven minutes to go. And, uh, you know, did you find, you did, you found that. Go, yesterday we lost a, a great, an actor, a, a great actor. Uh, a guy who found a, a lot of uh, positivity and, I would say, just fun in life in general and here let me just play this little clip from his movie you're crazy i know you are but what am i you're a nerd i know you are but what am i you're an idiot i know you are but what am i 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 infinity no i'm not you are no way knock it off cut it out Oh, shut, shut up, up. Pee-wee. Why don't you make me? Why don't you make me? Because I don't make monkeys. I just trade them. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Rubens died yesterday. Uh, he had quite a career. You know, he was, he was a nobody, literally a nobody. He was part yeah. of the Groundlings, uh, a, uh, a comedy group. Went out on his own and... Uh, Started doing an off-Broadway play, Pee Wee Herman's big big adventure, but but his Pee Wee Herman character. And it it became a a Broadway sensation. Yeah. Then he he did movies. Then he screwed up. Uh, A lot of people thought that he had made a a bad decision. He was in an X-rated theater doing things he shouldn't have been doing. And uh, ended up, uh, that, that came out, and it just about ended his career. Uh, I think about 15 years later, uh, he went, he got back on Broadway with his show. And 
and and people went nuts. All the people mm-hmm. who grew up with him on television right. suddenly wanted to see this show, and it became an a, a, an overnight success. That's what I would have said. Yeah. But he was a funny, <laughs> funny man. You know, if you look at what he did, what he did was nothing different than what Soupy Sales did in his day. Same same kind of stuff. I, I may have come across Soupy Sales stuff, but I, yeah, you need to watch him. He was about Fang and all of that. I mean, this is good stuff. <laughs> it's all good so stuff. I know Buster Keaton stuff. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, you know, he he. Uh, we I grew up in the eighties. Pee Wee's Playhouse was a thing. And uh, what that scene that you just said, I probably heard that on the schoolyard every day. You know, when, that's when so I was funny. It really is so funny. I, I'd play it again, but it drives it drives people my age crazy. Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> but I, I love it. I think it's hilarious. I think his, his uh, one of his best roles in one of my movies Buffy. that I like the most is uh, Mystery Men. Oh. He's in Mystery Men. See, I liked him in Buffy. Well, oh yeah, yeah. And I thought he was great in Buffy. He had, his death scene was his classic. <laughs> He's one of the best. <laughs> yeah, but he was in all kinds, all kinds of things. You know, uh, he even had a a role, I think, in in um, in Blues Brothers. You know, short role at the. Yeah, the I sh- He's, uh, I think, a waiter in that. Oh Lord! But yeah, he's he's had a long had a long career. Sorry to have lost him. Yeah, he shows up and on the stage. He showed up in a gray suit and a red bow tie. Yeah. And the rest is history. And uh, and that history now is over for Pee Wee Herman, yeah. or better known as Paul Rubens. That was his real name. All right, when we come back, I got a lot of things to talk Pee Wee Herman passed away. I know, that was sad. He went up went up to the, the big bicycle in the sky. <laughs> if I could make his laugh, I would do it right now. My voice is way too low. <laughs> I, you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna play a song that he would he's gonna go, you know, to heaven on It'd have to be tequila. <laughs> We'd have to play that song yeah. right now. I mean, I can get up. Well, I used to be able to get up on my toes. I can get up on my toes on one foot, but I, I used to be able to do that dance that he did. Oh, yeah, that, that was That was great. a funny scene. It was yeah. a funny in, in the scene. biker bar? Yeah. That's hilarious. There's some good stuff in those movies. Did you hear us playing the... I know you are, but what am I? Oh, yeah. Well, I heard that all weekend. <laughs> and this first thing that comes to mind anyway. I might have to use part of that to, you know... For my uh, my my drops at times because mm, it's, it's, it's always a, it's a great argument <laughs> to, for some people it really really is all right so let me get to uh, uh, talking about what happened uh, yesterday up on the Capitol as uh, you know the uh, the committee got together and uh, they had they had a uh, a person come in. It was Hunter's really good buddy, good old friend. Pat him on the back, you know. And, you know, one of Nixon's was it? What was his friend's name? Nixon's name that had had ties to the mafia. I can't think of his Deep name story. right now because I loved his name. It was a, it was a it was a perfect you know uh, mob name that that he had. I'll look it up. I I'll make sure. That. But, uh, I mean, National Lampoon used to make just hay with it. It was hilarious. But uh, so you have your best friend, and it's not a public time. You didn't, the American people didn't get to hear what this guy said. Right. What we got to go by is by what 
the people who were on the committee say he said. Their interpretation. Yeah, yeah, of course. And he wasn't under oath either. No, no. It was, what did it, they didn't say it was under oath, it was under something else. I forget. Well, you're not supposed to lie to Congress I mean, it's, already, like, it's like, I promise that I won't lie. You know, he didn't want to be under oath because then if he lied, they could get him for it. You know, right. he didn't want that to happen. So anyway, he got in front of him. He talked to him. And, uh, you know, he, talk, he was talking about his, uh, he did a four-hour, nearly four-hour closed-door meeting with these folks. And he testified that the Ukrainian natural gas company Burisma uh, added Hunter to its board in early 2014 because of the Biden brand, all right, and uh, that uh, as his uh, dad led U.S. policy towards Ukraine, as vice president at the time. Archer also stated that Burisma owner Mikola Zachevsky, who allegedly told an FBI informant he was coerced, there were not mine, to pay $10 million in bribes to Hunter, and then Vice President Joe Biden and company executive uh, Vadam Pazharsky uh, in late 2015 put intense pressure on Hunter to enlist the U.S. government to help oust Ukrainian prosecutor general at the time who had investigated Burisma for corruption. He said he witnessed the then second son uh, step away as they called D.C. to discuss the issue, the source said. Without specifying what, if anything, Archer said about the recently surfaced bribery allegations, Archer also said Hunter Biden put his father on speakerphone more than 20 times during business meetings to promote, quote, the brand. Which is influence. I mean, the literally, brand. they admitted it. There's so many things to oh, say. Yeah. And it, was, it wasn't just Hunter. I mean, it was his brother. Right. You know, Biden's brother that was in on all of this. Charlie Kirk said law professor Jonathan Turley is stunned by the uh, Biden family influence peddling scheme following the Devin Archer testimony. What we now know, quite frankly, is that the president has been lying. I think this is uh, shaping up to be one of the greatest corruption scandals in the history of Washington, and that's saying a lot. Uh, from the uh, RNC, quote, Democrat Representative Dan Goldman <laughs> the, uh, said, the witness testified that Hunter would put his father on speakerphone with whomever was at the dinner, and there was no indication that he had any idea who was at dinner with them. I don't know whether that's good or bad. He didn't care. All right? It was money to be made. Right. So he, he, was, he just was putting his influence out to get his, strip these people of as much money as he could. Well, it would be like having a, a superstar or rock star for your best friend. You can always call in, and <laughs> right there it says you're going to answer. So. Yeah. And they've had Look, he could have been the ghost of Mao, and he wouldn't have cared. <laughs> yeah. How much money are you going to give me, Mao? Yeah. Well, I mean, this goes back to American people losing their faith in the key institutions of our government. And this kind of behavior does not help, even if there doesn't result in some kind of significant connection to the president in the American people's minds. This is how our trust is eroded, and this is why we need 
accountability because you have two-tiered systems. I mean, if some of this stuff was going on, Dave, and it was you or I, we would be we'd be under the jail by now. You know, we definitely be. I've been buried in orange. Yeah, you know, that's what would happen. And so, this is what makes the American people distrust these systems is they see that there's favoritism, and then, you know, the the non-government institution created by you know the First Amendment with the press. You then also have the press running interference. And, you know, they were saying... Or well, not even running anything. Yeah, I mean, the Hunter Biden <laughs> laptop, for example. Yeah. Again, I'm not making any determinations about any of it. I'm just saying that when you look at it from the outside, and you're not even looking at it in political lenses, you're just looking at it in, can we trust these systems to tell us the truth and to do the right thing? The majority of Americans are walking away going, no, I don't trust them to tell me the truth or no. do the right thing. And, and it's obvious that, I mean, I don't know what kind of proof you need rather than until we get the recordings that, uh, is it? Oh, but I hope Grassley is I hope Grassley gets those recordings. He needs to protect that person wherever they are because someone's gunning for him and at least know where to They're access more than the gunning tapes. for him. Oh, yeah. You know, they're, they're, they might shoot him. They might poison him. They might do any of a, a bunch of different things. But I'm telling you. You better you better be have a food tester and stuff with you at all right. times. And then they have the Goldman running to the microphone ahead of you know to, to put out the narrative that and he they changed the story and we can't let them change the story that I never talked to my son Hunter about business oh, dealings. Yeah. And now now I never had deal. business dealings with Hunter. He ch- they changed the whole story. Turley went off on that. Yeah, yeah. I mean that, and rightly so because bottom line. He was saying, "Well, we're, we did we did talk to him about it, and but we didn't really have any big business dealings with him, which is saying everything we have told you up to this point has been a lie." Of right. course, the Democrats say it's been disingenuous, but it's been a lie. That's what it's been. Well, did you hear the interview with? Uh, let me just ask this question before I let you go okay. any further. Let me just ask this question. If your child comes to you and they look at you and do you say, (laughs) stop being disingenuous with me? Or do you say, hey, you little putz, quit lying to me. Right. Well, the second one. It's the second one. Yeah, of course. Quit lying. You (laughs) might not call him a putz. It's one of my my favorite words. (laughs) I like it. It's kind of harmless. Yeah, I think so. Well, on Newsmax, they had Jill Biden's ex-husband come in or he and he's been out with a book i think prior to this and he has no ill will towards jill but he talks about even prior to their i think believed that their divorce was final and jill wasn't happy with five million dollars he'd already given her or whatever okay that, she's saying jill by the way Make yeah, sure you biden know right yeah. so he has been him and his brother both have been just thoroughly like investigated for how many ever years that they've been apart? So, I mean, they have terrorized. And he said he had to come out and tell a story because the Biden family, including the brother mainly, which is like the main Oh, he's been guy, making money hand over fist. Right. And, and he said that uh, basically that was the machine, how he figured out that in Delaware, yeah, there's a heck of a machine going on. And Jill, I guess, set her sights on Golder Fingers or whatever. Well, yeah, let's let's just make sure everybody understands that Biden's brother is not out distributing Billy beer. Right. 
Yeah. Well, that's not happening. To show a pattern of behavior with this family, like going way back, you know, and we just cannot let them change that narrative of I didn't talk to my on the debate stage. Yeah. He just blustered out, did not talk to my son, and now it's we never did business deals. It was before he was even running. Right. He was questioned about this, and he has lied and lied and lied, and then all of a sudden, Jean Pierre says. Hey, we lied, but uh, he wasn't really in business with his son. Well, right? she, and nobody nobody reported on that. If it hadn't been for Turley, nobody would even heard heard about it. Well, Newsmax yeah. does it, too. But what she, she kept trying to say is, I'll say the same thing I've said a million times. And then she comes out with something new than what she said a million times or what Joe Biden has said. Joe Biden has said, did not discuss with my son. And she changes the narrative to did not do business with my yep. son. Yep. Jean, Can't let him forget that. Jean-Pierre, the <laughs> worst liar who ever took a job as a presidential spokesman. Makes you miss, like, uh, circle back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> miss circle back. Saki, yeah. You're not hearing her talk about any of this, are you? No. What is she up to? I don't even get She's on, on CNN or MSNBC or something. Yeah. She's on one of those, you know, lying TV channels, Doc. <laughs> Basically, yeah. that's what she does. She can, she's going to make her her whole career online. As oh, far yeah. as that, do you have something? No, you were looking. No, I'm just keep keeping up with with the ever changing news of the day. All right. Well, here here we go. Here's here you're going to love this. I got a couple of minutes, so let me get this in. Doctor Mandy Cohen, she is the new director of the Centers for Disease Control, mm-hmm. and of course prevention said that the COVID vaccine will likely be pushed as an annual jab, similar to the flu shot. Quote, I don't want to get ahead of where our scientists are here and doing that evaluation work. But yes, we anticipate that COVID will become similar to flu shots, where it's going to be you get your annual flu shot and you get your annual COVID shot. And she was asked that by Spectrum News whether Americans should be receiving the shots each year. After acknowledging, now listen to this, after acknowledging the CDC lost trust during the pandemic, Cohen went on to state that she is, quote, very worried about parents not uh, vaccinating their kids. I'm sure she's very worried about the parents. It's the control factor. Dr. Urso said, it doesn't matter if it works or not. You just need it. The CDC is a clown show. <laughs> yep. That's pretty much it. Well, this goes, to, again, to the point that the American people have given up or just quit fighting uh, large overreaches of government. And, you know, we found out so much during COVID that we were told that definitely wasn't true about the originate, you know, where it originated at, the the mandates that were pushed on us, the closures of entire states, etc. How much of that was actually political or just the we're the big dog, we can do whatever, we can get the American people to jump and tell them how high. And you know, in healthcare, just like in education, we're talking we're celebrating education freedom today in the state of Arkansas with the passage of with learns. Woo-hoo. But we need healthcare freedom too, that there needs to be the patient and the doctor and if it's a trusting relationship there and the patient says, This is what I need, and the doctor's like, Yes, I agree, this is what we need and they use the best knowledge, there shouldn't be any third parties involved in that. 
and they definitely want to control that relationship. Well, it's a big pharmacy for one thing that they're going to make money off of it, and there's a large swath of uh, indicators that this thing does harm to, especially young folks. I mean, we got another. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if the person was vaccinated or not, but LeBron James' son, you know, having the cardiac arrest, and they. This is something to think about too, in case something comes our way. Is they just found a Chinese virus factory or center in california yeah we talked about that yesterday yeah and that's only one that we know of so what's using out of that place you you know (laughs) even if it's not on purpose yeah why start it why start it over in china when you can get it started (laughs) right at the the place that you want to destroy all right we'll take a break i'll i'll get to that story as well because that'd be i think we were ahead of that story is what happened we got ahead of it and now it's it, it's starting to break all over the place, and people are starting to understand that the Chinese really do want to harm us, and they want to harm us badly. No. All right, back with you. And I'm getting questions now. They're, they're, folks are coming in, sitting down in the studio, and go, what is that contraption in the middle of the desk? <laughs> those are the, those are the, ca- the cameras. We, po- we posted a picture, didn't we, on the, the Facebook. You can see them and what it looks like. It's not all set up yet. Uh, again, uh, they sent us a link because now you don't get a book. You used to got you got a book, so when you when you went to put something together, you could read, and and I guess they figured enough people couldn't read at grade level that they were <laughs> just do it by by showing it to you, like on uh, you know on on the internet. So anyway, we had a we tried the link and it didn't work, so it took them three days. Uh, for us to get the link, and we paid several thousand dollars for that link. Wow. Yeah, and, it looks pretty you know, scary. If you, if it's going to be cool. See those little square things that are at the end? Mm-hmm. Those are the cameras. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I mean, they're micro cameras, and I'm, I'm all they, the picture that comes off of them, it will blow your mind when we start streaming. Well, I was thinking they were going to be connected to the microphone, which. No, we were told. Uh, <laughs> we were finally told that they're going to. Attach everything to a a large uh, pole in the middle of the table, and then you can see that we can we can move the cameras to get each microphone taken care of, and so you'll be on the just you truly on Tuesdays. We'll show up and yeah. be there. Well, I'm a little happy about it not being on the microphone because a close up <laughs> would, would be it clear. still be close up i mean that well, no, thing is like right give you. in your mouth well like, yeah, yeah yeah it's not going to be shooting that what's that thing <laughs> that looks like a punching bag that hangs down <laughs> in your throat what's that thing called tonsils no not tonsils <laughs> that's that little that little thing that hangs down there Ow. in the back looks like it does <laughs> it looks like looks like a punching bag is what it was okay so uh, anyway let me answer the question real quickly <laughs> Uh, Georgia Power announced Monday that its plant Vogel 3 nuclear reactor has entered commercial operation, becoming the first new U.S. nuclear reactor to come online in more than 30 years. Uh, uh, The operator said the uh, reactor has completed testing and is reliably supplying power to the grid. The The reactor will both provide an estimated 1,000 megawatts of power to the state, enough to power 
half a million homes. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. That's what we. That's where we got to go, folks. I'm just telling you, it, it scares people. Nuclear power does. It's not like Three Mile Island. Yeah, I'm just yeah. telling you, it's not that way any longer. Sure. Yeah. So I-30 eastbound coming through uh, Brighton and Benton is green now. It's not red. Usually, it's pulsating like a blood vessel. Once once it gets about eight thirty, it tends to finally clears cool up a little bit. bit, huh? Okay. All right. Let me let me finish up this story about in uh, in uh, Oklahoma. They've got this new reactor, nuclear. nuclear. <laughs> Speak very quiet. Dun dun dun. Okay, nuclear reactor. Uh, that's going to provide an estimated 1,000 megawatts of power to the state. That's enough to power a half a million homes and businesses, uh, according to developers. Once this new unit is online, then there are four other, three other reactors of this nuclear power plant that will be the largest generator of clean energy in the nation. Nuclear has the potential to provide clean cheap and indefinitely available electric power. Mm -hmm. Breeder reactors could recycle nuclear fuel, reducing the nuclear waste disposal problem, but politics has prevented its deployment. New generations of technology are out there to reduce cost, increase reliability, and make nuclear much easier to deploy. If so if, going against, look, if I was a climate change crazy like or typically out there, instead of you know yelling at nature, I would be getting behind nuclear. I mean, and also yeah. whatever you could reuse of it, recycle, recycle, recycle. And so against that, just goes to show you that a lot of it has to do with unless you're a true believer and you're not a politician, subsidies and stuff. But I mean, that would be amazing if. if Especially if Texas could use something like that so that if there was an emergency. Heck, Arkansas. Yeah. Well, yeah, definitely Arkansas. But I was thinking about Texas having those you know, during that un, un storm that we had. And that's like, because of the idiots that they had charge of their right, power. Right. They didn't. They had wind out there, too, didn't they? Oh, they had wind. They got water. They got all, they got, they got all of them. Hydra is a big deal. I mean, if they I'm would, sure that they have some. That. I don't know if they can still burn coal or not but i can tell you they burn a lot of natural gas out mm-hmm. in, in the big the big t you yeah. know and and i know that there's there's the political conversations about energy and particular you know, those that are on the climate you know change side or all up in arms about their particular varieties of that they prefer however we need an all of the above approach because with an all of the above approach it means that we become more and more energy dependent you know, or in, independent. independent, and that, um, you know, energy is the catalyst for bringing people out of poverty. The cheaper right. you can make the energy, the the more that the poor are able to elevate themselves. And so that's why it's so very important. And there's arguments all the time in the debate on energy that you're not going to tell a developing country what they can and cannot use as an energy source. That you've used in the past Yeah, that you've been using. And so they're going to say, this is the evolution of our economy, and we have access to this. I know you don't like it, but this is what we have. We don't want our people to be living without light anymore or energy to their homes. We're going to use it. And so that's where all of that kind of falls down in the pragmatism. So we have to deal with reality constructively. 
how can you get large amounts of clean energy? Nuclear is one way of doing it. Natural gas is another way of doing it. Throw in some wind, throw in some solar, do all those things. Hydro. But, you know, hydro. hydro, you know, there's there's conflicts on hydro, though, because of disruption of fish right. migrations and things like that. And I'm all for the the, the least ecologically impactful forms of energy. I'm for right. that. I'm a, I'm a conservationist. You know, I love that kind of stuff. But I also understand you have to you have to provide heat in the winter and cooling in in the summer and you need to do that as as energy efficiently as possible and i'm not saying i know the answer to here's the silver bullet but it will be a mix of those energy sources so we need to promote abundant energy any unnecessary increase in cost uh, you know the natural gas tax that was added into the inflation reduction act that's going to make energy more expensive and usually the fixed income individual or the those individuals that are in poverty or just at the poverty line, they can least afford those energy impacts. And it it's crazy to me because I get, when I go to pay my bill, my energy bill, it asks me if I would like to make a donation to right. help, help people, people pay their bill. You know, and I'm not against against that. But I also understand that there is so much in the taxes on that bill. I'm like, well, why don't you just cut out those taxes exactly. and make it easier for people to pay those bills? Um so it's kind of counterintuitive, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's like we're going to charge a lot to you, but we're, and to them, but we want you to help them. And again, I have paid people's energy bills before in the past. I'm not against Makes that. Me laugh. But it's just you look at these things that government does that erodes your quality of life and your family's ability to improve itself. You should get up in arms about it. Uh, there's a an an ad that came out recently, I think it's through Prager that I've seen a few times on social media. And it it says, you know, the people that rule your life are predominantly nameless, faceless bureaucrats. I see bureaucrats. And, and we, again, this goes back to so many people that I meet are frustrated about their quality of life, what they can't do to advance. And they just feel frustrated and they don't see how government policy plays into making their life more difficult. The win for everyone who de- believes in the individual, individual rights, individual responsibility, is to fight back against this behemoth of government that continually tries to, to say, we know how your life should go, and we're going we're gonna to make that happen. I mean, the, we've already talked about it in health care. We're now Leviathan. talking about it in – Yeah, you, we've talked about it in health care today. We're talking about it in energy now. We just now are fighting back to di- starting today in education. At least you're in Arkansas. Quit we are. letting the government and those folks that think they know best for you tell you what you need and how you're going to receive whatever it is that you need. You don't have to put up with that. I got to get Gretchen on uh, from the governor's staff. Uh, she used to work for Governor Ducey right. in Arkansas, or in, pardon me, Arizona, and she was instrumental in winning that fight in uh, in arizona so well, need to get her on to talk about education well, the other thing that you know just crossed my mind that is part of probably the like least expensive energy brings people out of poverty right but if you have people without angst and gripes and grievances then the democrats aren't going to have as many issues to run on you know so i mean and that's probably a, a latent like form or like you know whatever result of what happens if we were to have cheaper energy but that would bring more people out of poverty 
therefore less grievances. So it doesn't help the Democratic Party at all. Right? No, it does not. Yeah, and, you know, but this also, and I understand the, the, the Democrat Party side because they, they're very bought in on the climate change and most of their energy policy comes from this hypotheticals about climate and cherry-picked data and all that. In 2025, it will be so hot in the South that none of us will be able to live here. Yeah, well, I mean, Al Gore's been telling me that there's going to be no ice in the polar, you know, ice caps. I sent you that meme, didn't I? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And and we're finding there's actually an ice thickness thing that I just came across on Twitter, and it's showing the data, and it's it's stayed the same or gotten thicker in some some places. I liked it. I had that quote from him that there would be no ice on either the but, polar caps and and then there's a picture underneath of a guy with frost all over his right. beard and says still cold here still cold right <laughs> eric showed me that but too. you can say whatever you want in government nowadays and it, and you won't be held accountable to it like wh- where's the accountability for the bad policy that they pushed because of those thoughts some of that still exists there is an accountability when it comes down to it on that on and I don't mean that Republicans don't use certain, like, grievances either, because they do. But it's just blatantly obvious the check-the-boxes thing with the Democrats. So I'm mm. going to, you know, let me just say I think Republicans, you know, have some grievance. And sometimes there are true grievances yeah. that you need to solve that you could run on. But it's just like immigration, when they had super majorities, they didn't touch it because right. it was something that they could use for the next election. Right. And And so that's why— what I call third-way politics. There are people that across the political spectrum who see this and are frustrated by it. Uh, there definitely needs to be some trust things across there, you know, just getting to know each other. And yeah, you got to get rid of your president who lies to us all the time. Well, yeah. there's, you know, that's one, that's one way as well, one thing that could contribute. But, you know, we as citizens need to take some agency and and educate ourselves, train ourselves on the political processes, on the policy processes, know where those inflection points are that you can make an impact, and then getting involved. And it helps 100% because at the end of the day, what Americans for Prosperity is for is more decisions being made by the individuals. Do you want nuclear energy? Do you want uh, coal energy? Do you want wind energy? What fits best for you? What health care do you need? Do you want to take a COVID shot? Do you not want to take a COVID shot? It's up to you and your doctor. You do you decide that. Do you want to go to private school? Do you want to go to public school, to a public charter? Do you want to go to home school? Do you want to go to a micro school? That should be up to you. We need to diffuse power. Do you want Captain Crunch or do you want Captain Crunch with Crunch Berries? Yeah. Or, or do you want just Crunch Berries? I That's saw right. that just that. the other day. Yeah. 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 And, uh, I didn't have breakfast this morning, Dave. That Crunch Berry sounds pretty good. It sounds pretty good, doesn't it? But, you know, there's some people that they just keep making up all these excuses and all of these lies because... Some men aren't looking for anything logical like money. They can't be bought bullied, reasoned, or negotiated with. Some men just want to watch the world burn. That's right. Some yeah. people just want to watch the world burn. My favorite Antiva. Alfred. <laughs> yeah. Favorite Alfred ever. Yeah. Yeah. But And there there is that. I don't think that that's a majority of people, though. And it doesn't take a majority now, not with uh, social media and everything. Well, that, that and organization. You know, small groups of people can affect change if they organize. And so that shameless plug, Americans for Prosperity, believe in AR.com. 
Go there. Go to our citizen advocacy. Reach out to us. Learn about what we can do. Totally free training. If you want to get involved, learn about these processes and how you can affect it, believeinar.com. It's totally free to anyone interested. It's not a shameless plug. Well, yeah, it is. It's shameless because it's a true plug. (laughs) It's a true plug. That's the key. All right. Don't forget about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. Been talking about Eric for a long time. He's the jeweler there. His name, again, is Eric Coleman. And you go see Eric, and if you're getting married and you need wedding bands, or if you want to get married and you need, you know, a ring uh, to to pop the question with, he'll save you 20 to 30% on it over any other jeweler here in the city. He'll tell you, you go out, find out the, and find the ring you want and bring it back to me and let me look at it and show me the cost and I'll save you 20 to 30% on it. Take care of it. That go a long way paying for your honeymoon. I'm just saying that if you, if you're like me, you didn't come from the, the side of the tracks that your parents paid for your wedding. You paid it and you did all of that stuff. And I, that's uh, what I did. I paid for the honeymoon. So that's just the way it goes. There are 3,000 Kavanaugh, Sweet E. They're open from 10 until 6 p.m. And you stop in and go see Eric. I'm, I'm just telling you, here's what I want you to do. You go to whatever jewelry shop you want to. Pick whatever ring you want. This is the one we want. It's $15,000. And bring it to Eric, and he'll show you. The, he'll, he can do the same ring, save you 20 to 30 percent. Now, you take 15 grand and you save 30 percent, you do the math on that. I know you went to public school, but you can do 30 percent, I promise you. And you'll see that it's quite a bit of money that you're saving. That is Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. By the end of next week, I'm being told that we'll be streaming the show, so I'm excited about it and uh, about what will be going on. And again, uh, Billy Mack from uh, you know ICU uh, Protection is the man behind making this happen. And uh, I want to thank him publicly again uh, for getting involved with this. Just That's looking right. at some information, we just uh, we spent an, a whole hour talking about this earlier, about the uh, the Learns Act goes and becomes mm-hmm. law today, uh, a, as well as other laws. We had. Uh, uh, state rep on yesterday who ran the uh, law about uh, teachers don't have to use pronouns and and whatnot. Mm -hmm. That became law today. It was very interesting hearing what he had to say about that. Even if you as a parent say, I want my boy to be called she, it's up to the teacher. Uh, That that does not, you know, Get get underneath their religious beliefs and things of that nature. They yeah. don't have to call a he a she. Compelled speech. Yeah, Supreme compelled. Court. That's good. I love that. That's because that's what it was. Okay. So anyway, Ryan found this story today. We found out that yesterday, Capes couldn't get the signatures right. together <laughs> to uh, put on the ballot. Do you want it or don't you want it? The uh, Learns Act. Well, we know everybody wanted it. Yeah, but yeah. So, so this just fits a narrative. Of, they're out of the fight, but in Arizona, same thing happened. Yeah, last September, Arizona fell short. They needed 141,000 signatures. They got 88,000. So they fell. Well, they way really fell short. off. Yeah, that's good. And and it just sets up this narrative that when people figure out that they're no long that 
the most democratic thing you can do, which is just very interesting because those that try to push these on about say the people should vote, the people should vote. The people should vote, yes, with their dollars where they want to send their kid exactly. to school. You know how I voted? I didn't sign the petition. Right. Well, I knew there was going to be some issues when they're saying we – there was some social media that came out saying we even have people that are signing the Learns Bill that support the Learns Bill because they want a chance to vote. Yeah. That made no sense. And that yeah, automatically yeah, threw a red yeah, flag yeah. about how close the they were going to get. signatures, too, that they – the quality of the signatures they got. Yeah. Too. I mean, that that all could be looked at as well. There's always a, you know, 5 to 10 percent at minimum right. erosion of duplicate signatures – um, you know, unregistered voters. You know what their problem is? You is can't it? handle the truth. That's what it is. They yeah. can't handle the truth. And, and the truth is that those that would support this kind of push from a political side of things, they've lost power in the state of Arkansas. They're upset about that, and they're trying to find That's a third right. way because they can't win elections at the constitutional level. They're losing their, you know, they're your micro minority in the House and the Senate. And because... The reason is that the message that's being given isn't resonating with the people of Arkansas. The people of Arkansas voted for primary after primary, voted for candidates that supported education choice, and overwhelmingly voted for Sarah Sanders, who supports education choice, and ran on it for two years. Governor Sanders did an excellent job in laying out what it was she yeah, was going she, to do. She didn't and lie every, to anybody, right? Unlike Biden, and the messaging <laughs> too. When they have these uh, these uh, little petitions and everything, you don't even really understand a lot of people because first yeah. they don't want to be bothered to stop and sign something, so they may just throw their name on it. People who actually try to understand it, especially by the name, they don't understand what they're assigning a lot of times, right? You know, they're just, sure, here's a friendly, you know, I'll sign for you. The people are friendly to them. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just so complicated the way they explain it to people. Well, I also saw that, you know, during LEARNS, uh, there were teachers who supported the, the legislation that were reaching out to me and saying, hey, you know that they're using official email through their, you know, the superintendent's emails and through our teacher emails to talk, to push anti-learn of course they are that's against the law you know and and at that time of course i looked at the trade-offs and i was just like i don't know you know we're gonna win this so i don't need to to spike the ball that much but it was just crazy how much lying was in it but let me tell you if you're acting in bad faith you're not going to get a seat at the table and if you have grievances if you there are issues that come up with learns Governor Sanders and her team are committed to making this work, and they will hear you out, I mean, and they will come up with solutions. They had another one of their town halls. Right. So quit, paint, quit painting this as evil and trash. Figure out what the new reality is, what you need to be successful in it. In good faith, reach out to your Arkansas Department of Education, to the governor's office themselves. They will hear you out. They're not unreasonable people. They want what's best for the kids. And you can contribute, even if you disagree. All right. We got to get a break in. We got news coming your way. Jerry uh, is going to be coming up pretty soon. I think he's going to be there next hour, or maybe 10 o'clock. Maybe 10 o'clock he'll join us. And we'll talk to him. A lot of things that they're going to be doing over to Family Council as well. All right. Let's get to the last hour. And look, I couldn't have had a better person to come on in the last hour of the show. I love Jerry. Jerry hey, Cox. I love being here. Cox, you guys are my people. He's, he, here, it's here good he to is. be among He's my people. Yeah. He's joining <laughs> us <was> today. <laughs> Before we go any further, let's talk about uh, Mark Lauer real quick. Well, um, 
here's something that hasn't been said, I think, much about uh, Mark Lowry. I've been going to the Capitol and lobbying for conservative Christian values for 34 years. Mark was there in the early 90s walking those halls with with the Huckabee administration. Yes. And uh, he were out there, and I were there during the Jim Guy Tucker administration because he was working with Christian Coalition at the time. Mm Mm-hmm. And so Mark's conservative roots ran really, really deep. Now, here's the other thing. I'm going to write about this, Dave, but I'm going to say it for the first time publicly on your show. Okay. Mark was never ashamed to sit with me in the Capitol Cafe. Gosh, I haven't been either, though. I know. (laughs) You're my buddy. Let me tell you, though, I can tell some people are. Really? It's just like high school or junior high. They walk by and they'll barely speak, and they won't sit with me or my team members. I, and, and I've, you know, I don't think I'm imagining this. In fact, I've watched it for 30-something years. It's like, well, I'm not going to sit with Jerry and his crew because it might hurt what people think. Of, it might affect how people uh. think of me. And you might Mark, think they were conservative. And Mark was never worried about that. He was no, never he worried. Was he was never worried about that. And I always appreciated that about him. He did not make distinctions among people and say, well, that person over there is this way, so I'm not going to sit with them, talk to them, be nice to them, speak to them. He was a good man. Well, you have probably been on my show more than almost any other conservative here in Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as elected officials go, Mark Johnson, right. Kim Hammer, mm-hmm. and others mm-hmm. have been on my show quite often. Right, right. And Mark was one of those people Absolutely, as well. absolutely. And so the other thing that uh, people need to know about Mark Lowry is over the last 10 years, every good homeschool law that was passed yes. in Arkansas, pretty much he sponsored it. If your child is able to play sports at a public school, then you need to thank Mark Lowry because he's the one that sponsored the Tebow law. If um, if your if your child is no longer forced to take a state mandated test, better thank Mark Lowry because he he helped with that that legislation. On down the line, um, he was our go to guy every time on homeschool laws. And he stepped up, and he hit the ball every single time. Yeah, he's he was a great man. I Absolutely. Mean, I don't think people understand, and maybe won't understand for many years yet to come, how important he was to the state of Arkansas. Well, and if you're just one little homeschooler out here who needed uh, to have an athletic credit in order to get into West Point, and Mark Lowry's law made that possible, that's a life changer, and that's the truth, Dave. I know the homeschooler in northwest Arkansas who got to go to West Point because he was able to do cross-country at Siloam Springs High School, and the reason he could do that is because Mark Lowry got a good law passed that allowed it. It had been nice to have him here today that now the LEARNS Act is law because yeah. he would be hooting and hollering. Yeah. I'm just telling you. Yeah. 
He'd be having a good time on yeah, the show today. Absolutely. Well, he really, really was. But, uh, but I wanted you to speak to because I knew you guys were well, good friends. Well, we were good friends. And actually, I was in California the entire time. Uh, the morning he passed away, I was getting on a plane for California, and I didn't get back until after the funeral. So, um, you know, my condolences to Mark's family and all the people like me that knew him and loved him. Yeah. And there's a lot of us that loved absolutely. him. Absolutely. I'll be honest with that. Absolutely. A lot of us who loved him. All right, so let's talk to you. you you've got uh, some major announcements to go today. I mean, you've got a big deal coming up. We do. We have a uh, summit called the Foundations of Truth Summit. It's August 17th and 18th. It um, starts on Thursday afternoon, goes Thursday afternoon and evening, and then it's all day on Friday, the 18th of August. Um we're bringing in four nationally recognized speakers to talk about world views and how that affects everything about how we behave. And uh, let me let me kind of summarize it this yeah, way. Ahead. If I were to ask you, Dave, is Jesus Christ the Son of God? You would probably say yes. Uh, yes. If without, I were without, to, a, without a doubt. If I were to ask you, does the Bible have errors in it? No. You would probably say it does not have any That's errors correct. in it. If I were to ask you whose responsibility it is to educate children. I would say parents. Yes. But guess <laughs> what? Lots of people don't say parents, do they? No. No. They say the state, the government. If I, if I were to ask you, where do your rights come from? God. Lots of people would say, no, the government gives you That's your rights. Right. Oh, yeah. They've been sucked into believing this whole line. If I were to ask you, um, you know, how did the world come to be? And you say, well, it just happened. You know, God spoke and it was. And, <laughs> and, 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 and you know, they would say it just happened. Well, you start thinking, okay, that's a Darwinian worldview. Mm-hmm. If I were to ask you about critical race theory, and you say, yeah, we have the oppressors and we have the oppressed. Well, that's a Marxist worldview. Yep. If I were to ask you, you know, your views on things, I could probably figure out, mm-hmm. do you have a Christian worldview? Or is I, it some kind of a goofed up, mixed up kind of worldview? You would say to me, Dave, you're a good Judeo-Christian person. <laughs> that's what you would say. And see, I, you, I throw that Judeo part in there Absolutely. for a reason. Absolutely. I do too. So here's the deal. George Barna, who's been surveying these a lot of things guy. all forever and ever, he says that people that say you ask them, "Are you a Christian?" Oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Are you an evangelical Christian? Oh yeah, I'm uh, born again. Yeah. Yes, sir, born yeah. again. I said a, I said a prayer in church. Uh huh. Yeah. And uh, but yet you find <laughs> out if you drill down a little deeper, you find out that only about ten percent, nine percent really have a bona fide Christian worldview. And that explains why when I go to the legislature and I say, let's vote for a pro-life bill because children, unborn children or persons, people will still vote against it. And they'll tell you, I'm a Baptist and I teach Sunday school, but I'm pro-choice or something goofy like that. Here's what, people have, here's what people have done. They have cobbled together their worldview based on what they like. So they they look here and they say, mm, I like that part about God is love. Mm, the part about him being a consuming fire, mm, nope, don't much like that. So I'm going to put that over here. 
Now, I do like evolution. I, I think it probably evolved, and that's what my science teacher told me. So I'm going to put that on there. I'm going to believe that. And then I'm going to believe some of the CRT stuff, and I'm going to believe a little bit of that. And they, they just cobble it together. They live their life like they're walking down a smorgasbord. Well, they do. It's a buffet of worldview, really, yeah. is what it is. And, and, and it changes. Oh, does it ever change? So they turn the TV on, and Oprah tells them something. They well, I like Oprah. Right. I'm going to believe what she said. And, uh, you know, and, and it, it changes based on what the loud talking heads out here dictate. And so climate change, oh, yeah, I've got to believe in climate change because that makes me cool. You to- can tell which era, too depending on what their main point of view like when they were educated in school or when right. they grew up like what the points are i mean because we've got to the point of no children and no life because the world's going to fall apart now right right and, and so what we need to do as conservatives and as christians is we need to step back and say okay what is the standard for worldview? Well, like it's it. the Bible. It is the Bible. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. People may say, well, the, I don't believe the Bible. Well, you, that's your prerogative. But the Bible and the Judeo-Christian worldview has been the cornerstone of Western civilization for over 2,000 years. It just is. And anybody who drifts away from that is drifting not just away from a biblical worldview, they're drifting away from a Western cultural worldview that has served, has been a blessing to the entire earth. You have drifted from the truth. Absolutely. Yes. That's, Go that's ahead, expound is. on that. Well, there is real truth. There is truth or there's not truth. I mean, that's just the way it is. And the Bible is truth. It's been looked at as truth for thousands of thousands, even before the New Testament. <laughs> It was known as truth. Right. Well, and see, that's a worldview. You say, and I say, there's absolute truth, right? How many people out there will say, oh, the truth is relative? There are no absolutes. Yeah, I got my truth, and you've got your truth. Yeah. And it's that phrase. You've got yeah. your truth. The yeah. My facts are my experience. That's right. My truth. That phrase has really said, it says a lot about who you're talking to. Yeah, who you're talking to. When you start using that phrase, well, I have my truth, uh, mm-hmm. but, you know, I see that she has her own, you know, issues and things that she's got, her personal experience. So these are her set of facts. I mean, and we've really gotten caught up in that, like everybody's personal set of facts, like somehow the facts yeah. change. Yeah. Well, and you know what's funny? People will pound the table. There are no absolutes. There are absolutely no absolutes. And I would say to them, didn't you just utter an absolute? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and, yeah, and they say, true. well, that's the only absolute, uh, is there are no absolute truths. And I say, if there's one, might there be two? Might there be another one? You know, How like, many could there be? Like, can we kill you? <laughs> we think it would power. be an absolutely a good thing if you died right, right now. So... But see how dangerous that is when yeah. we just make up our own rules sure. as they go along and it's whatever the mob says is true becomes true and it's true today but maybe not tomorrow. Just think how many atrocities have been committed down through the ages because people drifted away from the truth. That's exactly right. Thank you. 
You want to you want to you want to sit in and do my show once in a while? I'll let you do it, man. Well, uh, it's important, Dave, to have people like you and others who will speak the truth. Because here's the thing: the devil hates truth. Yeah, he's and, a liar. And truth is uh, truth is kind of like a lion. You turn it loose, and it just does what truth does. And that's why people are so afraid of it. They're so afraid of the truth because the truth actually will set people free. People say, well, you know, the truth, it, it's all these rules and all these other things. And, and it really isn't. Uh, when you look at what truth does for us, it tells us who we are and what we are. And that's why a lot of people don't like the truth because it tells us about us on the inside. In fact, I'll preach a little bit. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I'm the life. Mm -hmm. So in that regard, truth is a person. It's also a concept, no, no but it's a person. No one comes to the Father except yeah. through me. And, and so once we look at our lives in relation to his life and the truth that's found in the scriptures, it tells us who we are. That's and we right. need to know who we are. And we need, and he also tells us what we can do about it. All right, got to get a break. Let's do that. Great start to this last hour. I love it when Jerry comes around. Don't you? Don't you like <laughs> us at all? Yeah, he's got a very pleasant experience. With yeah, Jerry. he's good. He's a good <laughs> man. Let me just remind everybody about Pat Davis and his Health Plan Man uh, team that he's got, where you can go get uh, uh, health insurance, and you'll have no copays. You'll have little or no deductibles, and they'll, if you've got a health plan right now, he'll cut your health premium by 30 to 50%. That sounds good to you? Then here, let me just give you a phone number. You can text or you can call him. 1-501-605-6935, and start saving some big money over this year going forth because uh, you're going to save 30 to 50%, in fact, more uh, each month. And if you multiply that out by 12, which is how many months there are in a year, you will find out you will save thousands of dollars. If you're a business, you uh, supply health insurance uh, to your people. Uh, know that Pat has just in the past few months found a lot of new plans for your kinds of groups that have low deductibles, low copays, and little out-of-pocket at all. And he can save your business Tens of thousands of dollars with those plans. Again, call or text 1-501-605-6935. That's 1-501-605-6935. Talk to the folks at Your Health Plan Man or just do it on the Internet, yourhealthplanman.com. I'll tell you during the break. <laughs> anyway, uh, let's get back to talking with uh, with Jerry here on the Dave Ellswick Show and what this special event is going to be. It's going to happen in just a couple of weeks. You're going to want to go to it. You're going to have people that are going to be there, you know, four uh, nationally known speakers telling you why a Judeo-Christian worldview is important especially in our country today. David, it's, it's, a, it's a great event. It's at the city center here in Little Rock, and it is August 17th and 18th, 
to register for it, people simply need to go to familycouncil.org, familycouncil.org, or they can call 501-375-7000, and we'll get you registered for it. It's $75 a person, but it is well, well worth it. And that's just going to feed you twice with that. Get a couple of meals. Uh, We're not making money on it. In fact, we're trying not to lose money on it at this point, but... We've invited in four nationally recognized speakers. We have uh, Joseph Backholm, who's a senior fellow at the Family Research Council. He also worked for the Chuck Colson Center. And Joseph does a really good job of talking about the history of worldview, defining what is a worldview, how everybody has a worldview, and what does it mean to have a biblical worldview. It means Uh, a lot. uh, It does, (laughs) because... Those of us who are Christians say, oh, yeah, I live by the Bible. And uh, then you start looking at some of the, th- the things that have crept into our belief system, and you think, well, is that really biblical? Mm-hmm. And uh, so Joseph is really good at that. We have also Dr. Uh, Owen Strand, Dr. David McDonald, and uh, uh, Joseph Combe from the Family Policy Alliance. And they will all address various aspects of worldview. Some will talk about the transgender issue. Some will talk about the critical race theory issues. Some will talk about what life is going to be like in America in the post-Dobbs era when you have abortion legal in some places and illegal in others. We'll be addressing some of those things. But then for people that are a little more wonkish, which maybe is like you, Dave, uh, (laughs) they're going to talk about pantheism naturalism, secular humanism, materialism, multiculturalism, social Darwinism, Marxism, postmodernism. Sounds like stuff I studied in college. All the uh, isms. All the the isms. But you know what? The good thing about these guys is I think they do a great job of bringing it down to my level, which is more like the man on the street level. Yeah. And uh, And helping helping us understand that and how all that connects then with policies that we need to make because see i'm in the policy world i go to the capitol and we try to get good laws passed that's why you're wonkish like me well yeah absolutely (laughs) uh but you know what we put it down on about eighth grade level and we get her done yeah well that's what you gotta do it's not (laughs) look you don't have to have a master's in it all you got to do is to understand it well um my mother and dad had a christian worldview they just didn't know what a christian worldview was okay. it's just what people believed and uh that's it I, well, isn't that true yeah. i mean yeah. you know yeah. our parents our grandparents people that went before us that were devout they had the right worldview nobody had ever coined the phrase worldview right or any of that but today we have these competing views like marxism like darwinism all these other views out here and people are being fed a steady diet of that every time they go to a liberal university and sit in a class. Um, Or sit in front of your TV. Absolutely. My son was at the University of Arkansas, and a teacher proclaimed that basically the the Walter Cronkite line, there is no more oil, you know. And, you know, he said some kids in the class were like, oh, no, what will we do? And my son Richard was like, you people – don't even know the facts i mean there's oil and coal fossil fuels everywhere still and uh but they were spinning this narrative it's a worldview yeah 
hold on, and we'll come back talk more about this on the Dave Ellswick Show. Back, I got uh, we got Jerry Cox here. I got Simone here, and uh, we should have had that part there in the afternoon, <laughs> part in the middle there, while nobody was listening. That was pretty you entertaining. I was, in, I was enjoying the uh, the spirited debates. Yeah, I got you. Push your little red button there. There you go. Uh, that was pretty good. I was enjoying that spirited yes, debate. Yes, and then uh, you know, look, I'm 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 all about Trump. You know, he's a good president. I'm not saying that he isn't, but I I I will not say that the man is infallible. And there's well, people who follow we, Trump that we, think that he's we infallible. Are, we we are all fallible. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, you know just, that's, it just that's, that's just, just works that way. It. And I like debates, and I want to hear everybody debate. That's it's going to be I entertainment. I think that's why people want him to do it, not necessarily for political advantage. They want him to do it for ratings, and it's going to be entertaining to watch him tear everyone up. I want to hear what he's got to say. I want to hear what he's got to say to to uh, some of these different people that are running, that I kind of like some of the things that they bring forth. Sure. But I, you know what? There's a senator from South Carolina that I really I do like. Scott. Yeah, I like him. Dave, too. you have that cutout over here in your office of President Reagan. Yeah, he's on his knees. He's Boy, I tell you, some days I really miss. I'm I'm so old. I I miss Ronald Reagan. Yeah, I do miss Ronald. <laughs> Maybe I should put a a a, a, a sticker together yeah, for your car. There you go. You know, there you go. I miss Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Absolutely. Because yeah, all the Bill Clinton people. Absolutely. I'll, I'll go back further than that. All right, so let's talk a bit about this uh, event. Again, August 17th and 18th. August 17th and 18th, uh, Foundations of Truth Summit here in Little Rock. It's a worldview summit with four nationally recognized speakers coming into Little Rock to talk to us about the Christian worldview and all the other competing philosophies that are out there and how that ties into the chaos that we are experiencing in our world today. It helps us better understand the times that we're living in. People can register for it at familycouncil.org or call 501-375-7000. covers a couple of meals. It's a two and a half or day and a half. Starts on Thursday afternoon and goes Thursday and then uh, all day Friday. Okay. And um, I think it'll be worth it. I wish every pastor in Arkansas could come to this and just gain some clarity about what we are actually facing. We need to understand the times in which we're living. And, and use it from the pulpit. Yes, yes, sir. Absolutely. Absolutely. I wish our youth leaders could come. You know, people may say, well, I don't want to go. Well, sponsor your pastor to go. Sponsor your That's youth a leader. Idea. That's a uh, idea. Sponsor some kids in the youth group. Send them. Mm-hmm. Pay their way. And uh, I guarantee you it'll be life-changing for some of these folks. I'll see if my pastor's available. Absolutely. I love it. If he is, I'll send he and his wife. And pastors carry the voice for something. Like, you know, they are able to put a message to people out there, and they respect most, you know, they respect their pastors, so that would be great. And I think some of the topics you've covered or that, that you're going to cover are really important issues that maybe just the average person doesn't think about, you know, or doesn't realize the wheels that are turning in the background you know, with the Marxism and the different things like that. Well, the whole controversy over books in the library. There is a worldview out there that says libraries ought to be able to have any kind of awful book in the world and give it to a kid. 
That's, that's there's a worldview who actually believes that. We've been we've been yeah. hearing that over and over and over like this. Yes. It's so maddening. We have an award-winning library, <laughs> and all we deal with now is hate and foyers. There's nothing wrong with those books. We buy books for everyone in this community, and every child should be heard and seen and supported and not marginalized because they're not white or straight or Christian. See, that is so sideways because here's the reality. Here's the reality of it. It's beyond sideways. Well, here's the reality of it. Not every library has every book in the world. Some human sits down and says, these are the books we're going to put in the library. they do. uh, And they choose. I was at the Capitol, and I watched the librarians that came to the Capitol. Not all librarians. I don't know all the librarians. There probably are some amazing ones out there. I'm just telling you, the ones that came to the Capitol to be against the bill that would say that librarians have to live by the same law that you and I do. If we provide obscenity to somebody, we can go to jail. And they they were wanting to be exempt from mm-hmm. that. Yep. And uh, when I realized that their worldview is so opposite mine in that kids ought to be exposed to any and everything in the world, I stopped and I thought, who are the adults in the room that say that's not appropriate for a kid? And that's not appropriate to even be in a public library. Well, once you get past the age of 12, you're not even a minor anymore. Right. I keep it that low. They and like, that low. like Dave, I was real smart when I was 13 or 14. Give me a break. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, I, I've taught high school. I was um, still fight. I was still playing my GI Joe and playing just the, little league baseball. There we go. I mean, we, we, you and I probably didn't qualify for adult status. Uh, no, you know. I did not. <laughs> Thank goodness. Me, me neither. But see, that's a worldview that's out there, and they have been taught that from the beginning of going to school. That somehow the library is this unregulated zone out here where it's the wild west it's anything you want to put in there and i'm like wait a minute we're paying for this library this is my public school over here this is my public library why can't i have a say in what you're using my money for yeah it makes you wonder how many of these people actually are parents too if they're you know if they even have children oh that's scary you know because they you know a lot of times maybe they've got six to 20 cats at home and the well, library is the only uh, and and again <laughs> if if adults don't look out for the welfare of kids who will who's going to do it Right. Well, these are the same people who would say that if someone at 17 commits a horrific crime they should be charged as a minor but yet you want to put all these images and everything into minors Mm -hmm. you know and then see what the results are i mean we're doing experiments not only with uh but you know physically doing experiments with changing our biology which you're not Mm -hmm. changing the biology but the appearance of your biology right and this is all going to come to fruition between with the infertility rates and everything else that's happening Mm -hmm. you know we're going to pay for this and so when we talk about worldview, it impacts us right down there at the local level. When a librarian says, my worldview is that kids ought to be able to access anything in the library unrestricted. It checkmates your worldview. Yes. And it's like, well, where did you get that idea? Well, it's a worldview. 
and it's a messed up worldview and people need to recognize it as such and then figure out how to deal with that well i like in the whole argument about the libraries now is they always use they want to censor the books there is not a book that has been said should be censored other than it should be moved to a position in the library where a child can't get to it exactly well and let me tell you about a conversation I had with the state representative. He was talking to a public school librarian in his district, and they were having a controversy over some books. And the representative, state representative, said, uh, "Ms. Librarian, do you have a Bible on the shelf in your library?" And he said, "She said, oh no, we can't do that because of separation of church and state.'" And I want to throw my hands up and just scream and say, the Bible is the best-selling book in the history of the world, Mm -hmm. and you tell me you can't have that book in your library, but you can have garbage in there? Of course. I don't even. That's the best kind of book to have in a library. I don't even know what to say about that, y'all. That's when worldviews go so far from logical or some not even logical reasonable and which is a relative term too that we know but something you can't even connect with to find to go oh i see where they're coming from you know there's there's just those there's places so so go. come to our worldview conference and we'll <laughs> yeah. we'll hash these things out it's the 17th and, and 18th be of august and it'll be good um they can register at familycouncil.org or give us a call at 501-375-7000 we'll get you signed up at 75 dollars a person get to eat a couple of meals hang out with some conservative folks and um, learn some good stuff that's what you want to do you want to hang around and a good conservative folks. and support support that's why i always like going to like the cpac and stuff absolutely because i get to get around yeah three to seven thousand people who think like i <laughs> right. do and and some days you think am i the only one i sure do uh, you know we kind of get get that old prophet in the old testament syndrome of like i'm the only one i wonder about that sometimes when i talk to family members <laughs> That's to be worse honest, worse. You know? but but it's important to be grounded in a biblical worldview because that serves us in so many good ways i'm with you yep i'm with you all right, so uh, familycouncil.org, right? It, yes, that's it. All right, go there. And uh, I like the idea, be a good, be a good uh, steward of your money and send your pastor and his yeah. wife. Hey, I think I that's agree. a great I idea. I, I like yeah. that idea. Bring them on. Send, yeah. send them. Give them a scholarship. I'll Maybe have to some... do two. I'll, I'll send my pastor and his wife, and I'll also send... Uh, I'll see if if Rick wants to go. That'd be great. And his the youth, wife. The yeah. Youth guy, yeah. Uh, yeah. Anybody in the youth leadership or kids, older kids in the youth group, this would be beneficial to them before they go off to college. Lots of good good reasons to to come to this. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Final break. Then we'll come back, and then I'll get into some uh, general questions for Jerry as well. I want I want to hear what he has to say about the Learns Act. I mean, it went into law today. Yes, I love it. All right, a break. The Dave Ellswick Show. Back. Well, the Learns Act is possibly the most revolutionary piece of legislation that I've seen go through the state capitol building in thirty my 34 years of going out there because my background is actually in education. I have a degree in education. I taught high school for 11 years. 
taught at Pulaski Academy here in Little Rock for six years. And um, my wife and I have homeschooled our boys. We've had them in private school. You know, I've pretty much been around the block when it comes to education. And I keep telling people, if you want to change Arkansas, then improve the education system of our kids. That's right. And you will change it from the bottom up. Now, it may take 10 or 12 years to start turning it around, but you will will turn it around because our education system – kindergarten through 12th grade here in arkansas is broken it is inferior and i'm sorry you may say well we got good public schools i'm glad you do and i'm glad we have kids that that get educated in spite of the failing system that we have which is what i would say yeah i agree Uh, with you they learn in spite of the 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 way things overall only about a third of the kids can read at grade level exactly terrible and 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 we need to to do something about that and the way you do that is you infuse competition into the system so that the public school has to compete with other schools out here and parents have a choice. We were talking about this earlier. Whose responsibility is it to educate children? Parents. It's the parent. It's not the state. And people go around and say, well, the state you know, has. No. It is your responsibility as the parent to get your child educated either by sending them to a public school, send them to a private school, do it yourself at home, or create some kind of a combination of that. I agree. And the Learns Act lets you do that, yeah. and it provides some money to enable you to do it. I get really frustrated when I think about the fact that there are families out here that are struggling to get by financially. They Husband and wife are both working like dogs all day long trying to put food on the table, and they're sending their little kids off to a terrible school and those kids are going to be disadvantaged because they never got a good enough education to, to do any more. And, may, and maybe <laughs> maybe this little bit of money that the Learns Act provides to those families will be just enough that they can put their child in a better school. They can put them in a private school. Or maybe they can create some kind of a homeschool cooperative and, and educate their kids. We need to empower these parents as much as we can. The education will still be publicly funded. It just won't be at a government building. It won't be on a yellow school bus, maybe. It'll be some other way. They don't have to compete to actually educate our children. Yes. And that's such a generational gift. You know, that's, Absolutely. Beyond, Absolutely. Yeah. But, Dave, we're not going to know really to year three just oh, how I the agree. Learns Act is going to work. There's only 7,000 kids going to be eligible this year, 14,000, I think, next school year. And then the third year, everybody is eligible to receive the funding. And that's when it, it, it really, the, the, the dam will break at that point, and there will be a rush, uh, provided that it all works the way it's supposed to. And here's I'm looking what, forward to it. Here's what I think. For those three years, public schools will get to sit down and say, okay, we know they don't like this, and we know they don't like that. What do we need to get rid of to make ourselves more open to the general public absolutely Attractive. absolutely and so these schools belong to the taxpayers and we need to view it that way the people that work in those public schools you know who they work for they work for the people That's of the right. community supposed to supposed to 
but a lot of times they act like they, they don't work for the people in and the they'll community. tell you that uh-huh and so it may create a change of attitude on their part because I think it needs to be that way. Well, they need to change their attitude. I don't know if you saw the story. I talked about it uh, last week. I talk about it again uh, because Arizona. We're we're close to what Arizona. Yes, has, it's very right? similar to the we're Arizona based, law, basically mm-hmm. off of theirs. Mm-hmm. Well, a school just announced in uh, in Phoenix that it was opening, and it is going to be a queer middle oh, school. Yeah. Oh wow! You know, and I said. That's what this is all about. If you want to open I'm a school. I'm not going to send my kid no, there, but if, no. if you think that you need to I send agree. your kid, send that, them. That, that is the freedom that we have in this country. That's right. And I, you know, even though I think, oh, that's awful, mm-hmm. but I, I think a lot of things are awful. Free, some free speech I don't like, but, yeah. but we got it, and people have it, and they're going to exercise it. But I think the important thing to realize is, if we keep doing education the way we've always done it, we're going to get the same crummy results we've always gotten. We have to change something, and people will say, well, what if the Learns Act fails? Public education has already failed. Oh, my God, yes. It's already failed. We're trying to fix a failure, and maybe this will do it. I believe it will. I sure hope it does. Hopefully it bridges that where there's – kids who maybe parents aren't as interested in their schooling maybe there's some advocacy for them or there's also uh parents who maybe would be struggling to get to school board meetings or different things so maybe some children who would be left behind anyway could uh you know we could advertise this or something and get it more available to parents so if they're not able to add the extra hours and those are the kids that are actually getting educated who have parental involvement probably in my in my opinion i want you to think about this families are going to be able to take some of this money if they need to and pay for a reading tutor Mm -hmm. to work specifically with their child Mm -hmm. so that they can learn to read because by the third grade they better be able to read at third grade level or they're going to hold them back Mm -hmm. yeah and i uh, there was a there was a op-ed in uh, the paper a couple of weeks ago said can you believe it'd be just like in tennessee they had six thousand kids held back they should be held back well dave if you cannot read write and speak the english language you are at a tremendous yes. disadvantage absolutely but if you can read write and speak the english language and do it well the world is open to you it really is we think oh they got to learn advanced math oh they got to learn all these other things the ability to read, write, and speak English opens the world to you. Unless you can speak and read, you can't sit and talk about quantum physics. <laughs> you can't. It's and not possible. You can't read the word problem in math if you can't right. read. And and so that really is where it begins. And, right. um, boy, I hats off if people say we're going to teach every kid to read. Yeah, up to the third up to the third grade you learn to read after that you read to learn. 